Nephrology is complex. It studies the body at some of its most complicated intersections of physiology and human health. This podcast, ASN Neff Watch, will try to identify how events in modern society help, hinder, or have no effect on the march towards better care and cures for patients with kidney diseases, the challenges clinicians and researchers face to improving the lives of these patients. Thank you for joining us here at the Washington headquarters of the American Society of Nephrology. This is ASN Nephwatch. We're joined today by Dr. Sue Quaggan from Northwestern University, who is also a member of the ASN Council. Welcome, Dr. Quaggan. Thank you, David. It's great to be here. Okay. You are the co-chair of the ASN Innovation and Discovery Task Force. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And what's the big picture goal there? So the task force is charged with coming up with some big ideas to catalyze discovery and innovation in the renal space. And the goal of the task force, or the task force actually, is uh, made up of a number of big thinkers in nephrology, but also a number of exceptional minds from outside nephrology. And today we're here with a think tank, really trying to get some of those ideas and putting them down on paper. So you're bringing in thought leaders from other disciplines, and uh, but all within medicine, correct? Or well, not? Well, not all within medicine. So we, the idea of the task force was really to think outside the box, come up with some big ideas that are going to change the path of nephrology. So many of these individuals are in medicine, but some are basic scientists, some are in pharma, some are in small biotech, some sit in the government, others have research labs. Most of them were chosen because of their ability or their past demonstration of innovating in other areas. And we're trying to bring some of those ideas today into the renal space. I know you guys have spent a lot of time discussing challenges and you're moving on from that stage alone, but just for real quick for our listeners, kind of where do you see you're coming from in terms of the, the landscape? So, you know, when we think about innovation in the renal space, you know, Yes, there have been challenges, and there still are some challenges in bringing those discoveries into the clinic. However, I would say that over the past few years, the number of advances in the basic science and understanding of the pathogenesis of disease now place us or poise us in the perfect position to take those discoveries to the next phase. And so our job here today at the task force is to come up with some big ideas, uh, put them down on paper, and they will be presented to ASN Council. And the hope is that we will act on some of those things and really catalyze discovery and innovation and, and make some changes for our patients. The task force will come up with this list and that will be presented to council in February in okay. 2018, so not too long. Okay, so would you be willing to come back and speak to our listeners again and let them know how this goes? Oh, yes. yes. Okay, we are very lucky to have with us today Dr. Roy Chaudhry, and he is with the University of Arizona. Welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on today? Right, so one of the things that we're trying to do within this task force is really to get together a very diverse group of people, clinicians, uh, researchers, uh, uh, people involved in policy. Uh, I think perhaps most importantly, we've in addition to people who are in the kidney space, we also have a number of people who are scientists and clinicians from outside of the kidney space. And I really think that bringing together all of these different ideas is going to allow us to come out with something I, that I hope will be both uh, impactful, will be patient-centric, and will also be disruptive. I, I think we really need 
to change the status quo that we currently have within kidney disease. Uh, we live in a world where we do not have effective therapies for preventing the progression of kid chronic kidney disease into dialysis. And when patients' kidneys fail, we say that you're going to go on to dialysis or hopefully get a transplant, and we feel that that's a big plus. I would argue that we need to be in a place where we have better awareness of kidney disease. We need to be in a place where we can have a pill that prevents progression of kidney disease in the vast majority of patients. I would love to be in a place where we have lots and lots of ads on TV about all of these wonderful therapies that our patients need to ask their doctors about. But I don't remember a single ad which says, speak to your doctor about this new therapy for the prevention of kidney disease. Uh, I think to, to some extent, kidney disease is not like having a heart attack. So you don't clutch your heart in the middle of a road and you don't fall down. Kidney disease is not a young woman having breast cancer or a child having a terrible condition. And I say that really to, to I think, recognize and applaud all of these different specialties like oncology, for example, where there's been tremendous progress. Uh, I, I rather bring them up just to make the point that kidney disease is silent. Kidney disease is insidious. Kidney disease is associated with many other comorbid conditions. And I think the tragedy really is that by the time our patients reach end-stage renal disease, they've undergone 20 years of diabetes or hypertension. Kidney disease disproportionately strikes ethnic minorities and people who are more vulnerable to the negative effects of a chronic disease. All chronic diseases, I think, drive people into poverty, but I think the impact is even more when you have a chronic disease that disproportionately targets vulnerable populations. I think that kidney disease is a multidisciplinary problem. I think the only way that we're truly going to be effective at targeting kidney disease is through a multidisciplinary approach. And when I talk about a multidisciplinary approach, I'm talking about healthcare professionals, physicians, researchers, scientists. I'm talking about, very importantly, patients and patient organizations. I'm talking about industry, large pharma, small biotech, dialysis organizations. I'm talking about federal agencies as in the FDA, the NIH, CDC, and CMS. And I think that all of these different stakeholder groups need to come together. I think they need to coalesce around a common plan. And I think that we need to reach out to people both in and outside of the kidney community to allow for this plan to go forward. At the end of the day, I would like patients to know they have kidney disease. I'd like to have a pill that prevents progression of kidney disease. And if that pill doesn't work in every patient, I'd like to be in a setting where instead of having this four hours, three times a week construct, that we really move aggressively towards portable, wearable, and ultimately 
a fully implantable kidney so that our patients can actually continue to work, continue to have a good quality of life. I think it's also uh, important for practicing nephrologists to give hope to their patients. I think it's very important in the kidney disease field for there to be hope. Uh, and I think that many of the things that, that we're trying to do within this task force will ultimately, I think, give hope to patients and give confidence and enthusiasm both to nephrologists and to our industry partners. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Our listeners, we have Dr. Laura Benjamin, and she's from Katahdin Rx. Is that correct? That's correct. A little bit about yourself and, and your role in the ASN Innovation and Discovery Task Force. My background is both academic as well as um, industry. So I was a, a researcher um, at Harvard Medical School for 10 years, and my area of interest there was in vascular biology. Um, vascular biology touches on many diseases, so it, it's an important area for um, renal disease. Um, probably more of my effort went into oncology and certainly in the pharmaceutical space where I've been for the last almost decade, I've been focusing on oncology. Um, but nonetheless, I think that um, I, you know what I can bring to the conversation today is sort of an, a, a general knowledge of the science that could be applied to renal diseases as well as sort of industry experience and how do you take um, ideas and academic knowledge and translate them into new medicines. Um, oncology has been an area with a lot of success in the last decade and so one of the conversations that we're having today is well what can we learn from how oncology made this big leap forward in the last decade that could be applied to renal disease. I think all of our listeners would actually like to hear a little snippet of that. Well, so one of the you know one of the analogies that I can make for that is when people say um, you know, I have lung cancer or someone I know has lung cancer. I think we've learned through education that lung cancer is not a single disease, it's, it's many diseases. And we've been able to learn how to um, separate those individuals that are, that are members of these small diseases because of the research efforts into, um, you know, the genetics of lung cancer, for example, as well as the pathology and, and physiology. But what we've done in cancer is take what was otherwise uh, a broad disease and, and break it into smaller subsets. And once we're able to identify the smaller subsets, we're able to study it in, in a more direct way. We're able to develop drugs um, that are more useful because we have drugs that, that treat you know 5% of patients with lung cancer and don't treat the rest. And if we didn't understand how to pull those patients out, all of the trials would fail because 5% of the clinical trial um, having uh, you know a successful response is not enough to get an FDA approval. You only see the success when you can identify and name the subsets of the disease. And you could say the same is true for something like chronic kidney disease. It's it's a heterogeneous population. We know that it's heterogeneous, but what we don't know is what we know already in lung cancer. We don't know how to find those subsets and what defines those subsets and what are the kinds of therapeutics that would treat those subsets. And so one of the first things that has to be done for this disease is some of that groundwork. How do you just kind of view the renal space right now in terms of this challenge? You know, I think the renal space is challenged in part because um, renal disease can be a part of many different diseases. It can be subsets of um, very defined, bigger populations. And therefore, it, it, I think it tends to get uh, underserved. I don't want to say ignored, but, but certainly not um, given the attention that 
diabetes as a whole gets, um, both from the research and from the public awareness and from the drug discovery, drug development. And so when you look at the clinical space right now in terms of what's going on in clinical trials in renal disease, I, it, it's almost nothing. It's, it's really sad. The NIDDK at the NIH clearly understands this already. You know, I think what could really help would be a little bit of a grassroots effort to collect information about about this heterogeneous disease and understand more about the biomarkers and the clinical parameters that are associated with them and think about doing observational clinical trials. Continuing our discussion with the ASN Innovation and Discovery Task Force, we're joined by Dr. Culleton. Um, tell us about yourself and your background. You're a nephrologist, correct? Yeah, I'm a nephrologist that was trained in Canada. I did uh, some research in the Boston area. I practiced in Canada for about 10 years. And then um, after looking after patients and doing some clinical research, I decided to move to industry. And uh, for the last uh, 12 years or so of my career, I've been uh, working in the uh, kidney space, uh, developing and testing and uh, developing new technology for patients on dialysis. And where do you see kind of breakthroughs happening or coming along the way? So I think one of the challenges within the dialysis space is that there hasn't been any significant innovation over the last 15 to 20 years. We now need to make the technology a little bit safer, easier to use, but I think the real innovation is going to occur in the service model. Okay. Tell us more, please. Uh, we've seen this in other countries, but the U.S. is a little bit behind. But the innovation, I think, needs to move in the direction of how do patients take more control of their lives, can play a bigger role in their decision, and can we bring dialysis closer to their home? Why do you think it is that we have lagged behind other countries in that regard? So why is the U.S. lag behind in that regard? That's a bit of a loaded question. I, I, so I, I, um, I think one of the reasons why the U.S. is lag behind in independent dialysis care is the incentive structures that are in place today around providing dialysis. Quite frankly, they encourage um, most dialysis to be occurring uh, in very efficient in-center dialysis big, like the moonshot if you like, something like growing a kidney in a dish. That is innovation, but if we just focused our efforts on that moonshot if you like, we may never get there and we may miss many opportunities along the way to make a difference. So from my perspective, and I think from what I hear from several task members, is that we should be thinking about early term innovation, midterm goals, while not forgetting that moonshot and not forgetting that we need to keep our eye on perhaps some really disruptive innovation that could change the lives of patients with kidney failure. Uh, you're the second person we've talked to who's used the word disruptive. How do you see the word disruptive? Yeah, so a lot of innovation that we, that we deal with every day is incremental innovation. Um, a disruptive technology would be something that truly is novel and obviously something that adds value to either patients or the health system, right? So, well, we've, so just as an example, yeah. we've got X number of people sitting around the room today. We're a tiny proportion of people that are interested in this. Well, thank you very much for spending time with us today. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Welcome, Dr. Caramanche. We are pleased that you could join us, and our listeners would like to know a little bit about you, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself. I'm, uh, my name is Ananta Caramanche. I'm a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and a nephrologist at the uh, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Uh, I spent most of my time uh, doing research. I'm primarily a vascular biologist. I'm interested in studying uh, problems with the kidney that, uh, that affect the kidney vasculature. 
uh, an area of expertise um, um, for me is a, a preeclampsia, which is a kidney uh, disease that uh, occurs in pregnant women, where these pregnant women present with blood pressure and proteinuria. So innovation and discovery has been pretty much front and center in your career, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I'm the chair of this task force. Uh, with Sue Quaggan, who's my co-chair, and she's a representative of the ASN Council. This is going to be an interesting time. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so I think the idea behind this is to find out, you know, what are the gaps in research uh, approaches uh, that slow discovery and innovation in nephrology, the wide sort of uh, ta- uh, range of uh, topics, all the way ranging from, um, you know, how the way we can get the next generation of uh, scientists uh, to how can we help the existing, uh, you know, renal scientists to come up with new drugs, but also, more importantly, how can we incentivize uh, companies to develop the next generation products in this space and basically get nephrology excited. Uh, you know, as I recall in, in the 70s, uh, as we were getting new dialysis machines and, uh, and kidney transplantation was getting started with a lot of uh, new drugs, uh, nephrology was very exciting. And now, you know, after the last, um, you know, I would say 10, 15 years or so, um, a significant portion of the excitement in medicine is largely in oncology uh, in some research. The question is, you know, can we get nephrology, um, you know, excited again? Can we get new products for our patients? And eventually that will trickle it down to our, our students and residents. Can we get uh, the best students and residents into our specialty? And so the idea is that, you know, what can we do uh, people from, you know, different fields, from industry, from academic side, from uh, from policy side? Uh, what can the ASN, you know, do? You know, can we put together, you know, people from different backgrounds, come up with ideas about what, uh, what are the current gaps and how can we spur innovation in nephrology? And so it's a broad topic, but I thought it was a, um, you know, we brought a lot of, you know, interesting people from different backgrounds and really had a very productive day. Well, great. Uh, that is a very large order, and we hear a lot of nephrologists talking about the, the need for new innovation and the need for some level of excitement in the field. That's a hard thing, though, to kind of make happen naturally, excitement. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, people see on the newspaper, you know, new drugs uh, for cancer and cancer, which used to be a terrible disease, you know, finally, you know, people are starting to come up with therapies that can even, you know, people are even thinking of cure for certain types of cancers. You know, there are certain immune drugs, you know, in a percentage of patients are even curing people. And so there's a lot of excitement in, in, in oncology, as I can see. Uh, you know, so you, uh, the idea is that, you know, what can we do? Young students and residents, for example, look at that kind of stuff and, and they go into oncology. And, and, what, and the question that we're asking is that, you know, what can we do in renal to get ex- young people excited? And, and so one of the things I was, you know, that the task force thought was very important was that, you know, I think ASN as, a, as an organization of physicians, uh, should celebrate some recently uh, achieved major sort of, uh, you know, kidney breakthrough and sort of advertise that and take credit for some of the big stuff that's a- occurred. And, you know, nephrologists tend to be sort of relatively modest, I think. Uh, but the fact is that in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, we've had some, you know, impressive breakthroughs in, by nephrologists, you know, trying to understand oxygen sensing, for example, in the kidney that has led to new ways of treating anemia, you know, that, that doesn't require actually giving back the hormone, but just a pill that blocks, the, for example, the enzyme that regulates erythropoietin, you know, production from the kidney. You know, we're looking at uh, new ways of uh, slowing down, you know, diabetic nephropathy. It's a transporter that, that essentially is important for glucose absorption in the tubule. And essentially, you can think of a compound now that's FDA approved for diabetic patients that uh, essentially pees out the glucose in the urine. 
And just simply doing that, you know, you can slow down progression of diabetic kidney disease. And, and more recently, I think, for example, nephrologists put together this large consortium of scientists, um, you know, around the country to do this uh, trial called SPRINT trial, uh, mm-hmm. really short that in, in if you treat hypertension patients, uh, elderly hypertension patients, that the tighter control of blood pressure led to better outcomes. And so these patients had less strokes and less cardiovascular disease. I think it's very exciting. I think the fact that the ASN recognizes that there's a problem in nephrology. Uh, we're not getting the uh, top pharmaceutical companies to develop drugs in our space. They recognize that. So I think having this sort of dialogues, having this communication with people with different backgrounds and trying to see if we can do something, I, I think, you know, they'll have some immediate benefits, some, sort of some small things like, for example, getting a renal fellow uh, to do a sabbatical in, in industry for six months, those kind of things. You can see immediate success, but there'll be things that'll take five, ten years to sort of figure it out. But I think in the long run, you know, I, I, I do think that... Uh, um, you know, good things are going to come out of this for the field. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. I know our our listeners have really enjoyed hearing from you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for a look inside innovation and discovery here at ASN NephWatch. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drugs, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.